Oh, hello, friends. It's uh, Ken David Stewart from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Back to you again with another episode of the Ken David Stewart Show, uh, hosted by yours truly. And um, like I sort of promised on my last uh, podcast episode, that I'd actually read a bit, some excerpts from my latest novel, uh, The Lake Demon. Okay, I just kind of randomly picked excerpts that I thought might interest people. The whole book's pretty interesting. But anyway, that's my opinion. I wrote it. Okay, here's chapter 82. Winston Stanfield was down in the boat's lower deck thinking about what he should make for lunch. A few summers before, he taught Wally how to operate his boat so that Winston could uh, attend to other duties. Wally, with the wind almost blowing off his battered old baseball cap, was enjoying navigating his grandpa's cabin cruiser. While guiding the vessel towards Squally Point, he heard Gary calling out to him. Gary had been looking out one of the telescopes situated on the left-hand side of the ship. Wally, come quick, I see something. Come have a look. Wally ran to the telescope nearest to Gary. As soon as he looked into the telescope, he could see what his friend was talking about. Do you see it? Gary said in an excited, high-pitched voice. Wally could see some activity about 100 meters from the boat. There were a flock of birds making a fast retreat from the surface of the lake. Wally could also see a large gray hump in the same area from which the birds had just made their escape. Gary cried out, We've got to tell Winston. No, hold up, Wally said. I've lost sight of the hump. It appears to have submerged. Okay, that was kind of uh, short but uh, but sweet. So let's go on to chapter 83. Uh, Jack Kimberly walked over to his kitchen to make himself some coffee. He was still trying to think of a way to get back at Blake Riley, his former business partner. If only he could make a fool out of him. An idea occurred to Jack. What if he could prove that Ogopogo did not exist and make it appear that Blake had really had the wool pulled over his eyes? Then an ingenious thought crossed Jack's mind. What if he could find a fake Ogopogo? Who did he know who could build one? Jack realized that he had newspaper reporter Bobby O'Connor had a mutual friend. Someone that they both knew from their high school days. His name was Michael Grady. The same man who had analyzed Monique Pinchot's picture for Bobby. Jack remembered how Mike was very mechanically adept and was always tinkering with things when they were in school. He remembered the time that Mike had made a small-scale model of Opal Pogo for a science project in grade 11. Jack wondered if Mike still had kept the model after all these years. He knew how he might find out. Jack would phone Bobby O'Connor to ask if he had kept in touch with Michael Grady. Jack immediately got the phone number of the Kelowna Daily Courier that was printed near the bottom of the front page. He dialed the number and a receptionist put him through to Bobby O'Connor. Hey, Bobby, it's Jack Kimberly, man. Jack Kimberly? I haven't heard of you since high school, Bobby said, trying to finish chewing a piece of his lemon danish. 
Jack reached for his coffee while he sank back into his favorite black lazy boy chair. Yeah, it's been a while, buddy. I was just thinking about you and Michael Grady. Michael Grady? I just talked to him a few minutes ago. I asked him to look at a couple of photos and to tell me if they thought they were authentic or fake, Bonnie said. Finally, having finished his, his piece of Danish, he sat back in his chair and loosened his tie, getting prepared for some pleasurable reminiscing with an old friend. How's Mikey doing these days, Jack asked. Uh, not the greatest. The last decade or so hasn't been very kind to him, Bonnie replied. Geez, I'm sorry to hear that. What's been giving Mike trouble, Jack inquired. Well, his health hasn't been that good. He's got arthritis in his knees and his back, and he's really obese now. At least that hasn't changed. He and I were the two fattest kids in grade five, Jack remembered. Mike also has emphysema, but he still smokes like a chimney, Bonnie continued. Because of his poor health, he now collects a disability pension. He also makes a little money on the side repairing computers for a few clients and doing some photography. Have you ever heard of a guy named Blake Riley, Jack asked. While he was talking on the phone, Jack was staring straight ahead at one of his own abstract paintings he had mounted on the wall in front of him. His living room was starting to smell a bit musty, so Jack walked over to open up a window. Blake Riley? Anyone who's reading my recent articles in Ogopogo knows who Blake Riley is. He's a rich, eccentric entrepreneur who's funding the university's uh, research project on Ogopogo, Bonnie said, throwing his Danish wrapper in the plastic garbage container to the left of his desk. Small world, Bobby. Blake Riley was in our grade six class when we were in elementary school. I don't know if you remember him from back then. Blake was a tall, skinny kid who was always going to look dirty. His clothes were worn out, and he always had holes in them. Now I'm starting to remember, Bobby said, as he scanned his brain for a clear mental image of Blake as a schoolboy. When I interviewed Blake on the phone, I never made the connection. Blake didn't stay long in our classes, I recall, Blake said, now, uh, now sitting up straight in his leather upholstered chair. You're right about that. Blake was only in our room for about six months or maybe less. Blake was a bully. He used to threaten little kids for their lunch money. Eventually, Mr. Dole, our principal, called in Blake's mother to discuss the situation. As Blake's mom was behind on her rent payments, she took this as a sign that they should move again to a place that charged lower rent. So Blake ended up having to change schools again, Jack said. Poor kid, Bobby said. Don't feel sorry for him, Jack said, taking a sip of his coffee. No one in our class liked him. Blake was a bully, a liar, and a thief. A lot of things went missing in our classroom during Blake's brief stay with us. Yeah, I recall losing my geometry set and my Batman comic book seemed to mysteriously disappear that year, Bobby recalled. Well, he scratched his head. He now remembered the day that the school nurse found lice in Blake's hair. Life is full of surprises. I met up again with Blake Riley when I attended business college. I couldn't believe how different he looked. Blake now looked clean and was wearing a new sweater, an expensive pair of dress pants. I asked about his life after he left our grade six class, Jake said. Blake told me about how he was mentored by his uncle, a successful entrepreneur. He also stated that his uncle Jordan was a devout Christian and how his high moral standards had rubbed off on Blake. As soon as Blake started up his first business ventures, 
you remember to include integrity along with his business acumen. Unfortunately, by the time I met up with Blake again at business college, Blake had started to compromise his principles by the time he was completing his studies. I wasn't aware of Blake's change in character until it was too late. It wasn't too long after we graduated from business college when Blake approached me with a business proposition. Blake had a lot of charisma, still does, in a devious sort of way. I ended up joining Blake's latest business venture. In the beginning, our business took off like a riot, like a rocket. Within a year, we were both making more money than we'd ever seen in our lives. Things went smoothly for a few years, then Blake went turncoat on me. We started having an affair with a woman who persuaded Blake to forsake the business that he and I shared to join her in her new business venture. Blake didn't even pay me the courtesy of letting me know what he'd done. Heck, he didn't even ask me to join the new company that he helped build, Jack said angrily. So the jerk double-crossed you, Bobby said. Well, that's a huge understatement. Blake was disloyal to me and almost ruined me financially, Jack replied. Jack was starting to get red in the face and his blood pressure was starting to spike. Even telling Bobby about the situation caused Jack to relive it. So what are you going to do about it? And how does Michael Grady fit into the picture, Bobby asked, becoming very intrigued with Jack's story. I figure the best way to get back at Blake is to make a total fool out of him. I want to see him totally humiliated, Jack answered. And how do you plan to accomplish that, Bobby asked. I've got a couple ideas that I hope Mike can help me with. Of course, you know all about Blake's participation in funding of the university's research project, Jack stated. Yes, I wrote several articles about it, Bobby said. Well, I plan to make that project fall flat in its face. And how exactly are we going to do that? You've got me really curious now. Oh, you'll be the first to know. But first I have to run my ideas past Mike. Have you got his number handy, Jack asked? Okay, uh, that was a little more reading from uh, The Lake Demon. I hope you enjoyed it, and it's always fun to read uh, story to you guys. And episodes from my book, uh, The Lake Demon, available on Amazon.ca and Amazon.com. Okay, we'll talk to you soon again.